Last week, I mentioned that we were going to be studying some abstract concepts, which are things that don't have a physical form, but they're important. The best stuff in life is abstract. Love, hope, joy, peace, contentment. That's what we're all chasing, and they're, they're, they're abstract. Sometimes we put our eyes on things that are concrete that we think will give us those abstract concepts, but they don't seem to deliver. One thing that can help us grasp an abstract concept is if we can find an opposite that's easier to grasp. For example, um, I've met with many people, um, especially a, a newer believer, who suddenly uh, are, they, they have fear, they're scared that they're not, you know, they're not redeemed, they're not actually saved. And the reason is, is because they have some doubts. Like they, they read some things in here, or they, they, they talk about, they hear some stuff at church, and they have like doubts, is that really true? Like I'm not sure. And then they become scared that because I have doubts, that means I don't have faith. But the opposite of saving faith isn't doubt. The opposite of saving faith is rejection. In a weird way, doubts are actually part of our growing faith. I mean, think about this. When you came to believe in Jesus, if you have, when you were a new believer, you had to have some doubts. Like you didn't instantly have all of your questions answered, right? You didn't, there were certain things you were unsure about. A growing faith means, this sounds crazy, but growing in your faith, which means some of those doubts slowly over time get answered and corrected. And, and, and that's how we grow in our faith. So if faith is an abstract concept, understanding rejection of the cross of Christ for my righteousness is the opposite of that, not doubts. That can be helpful. Well, this morning, as we continue in the paragraph we just, just started last week, Paul is, if we look carefully, one way to, to, to look at this paragraph is Paul is listing some opposites. Last week, Paul told us, because he's beginning to teach us what the Christian life should look like. And last week he said, it's a life of freedom. But that's an abstract concept that's often misunderstood. We learned last week that, that freedom in Christ is not freedom to do whatever my flesh wants, because that's actually bondage not freedom. I looked up with some friends this last week, just a dictionary definition of freedom, and it was something like, freedom is the ability to pursue what one wants. And in a weird way, that is freedom in Christ. But listen, what I really want, what my soul really wants, is only found in Jesus Christ. Because it's those abstract concepts we're all chasing that are delivered only in Him. What I want is hope. What I want is joy. What I want is peace and contentment. Those are only found in Christ and they're given for free. 
my flesh, we introduced that abstract concept last week too, my flesh is that part of me that wants to get what I want apart from Jesus Christ. And that can be either. I want a righteousness of my own. I want to be declared righteous based on my obedience. Or it can be, I want all this other stuff I think might make me happy, might give me purpose. That's not what he wants for me. Those things are both my flesh. And Paul has already in, in, uh, introduced that opposite. Freedom in Christ is the opposite of my flesh. He's also told me the opposite of my flesh is loving and serving others. That's what I will look like when I'm pers- freely pursuing Christ. That's where we've been so far. And then as we continue in this one paragraph this morning, he's going to give us some more opposites. He's going to give us some synonyms too. Freedom in Christ last week. Today he's going to call that living in the spirit. Same thing. It's also the opposite of my flesh. It's also the opposite of the law. And hopefully... As we, as we understand these, some of these opposites, these are, these are difficult things to grasp. What it means to live in the Spirit, walk in freedom. So that we can hopefully get away from a Christian life that seems like I'm balancing these two things. What must I do for God to like me? What are the, what's the list of things I have to avoid? What's the list of things I have to obey so I can get to the point where I like me, others in my church like me, and God likes me. And I'm trying to balance that with, yeah, but what can I get away with that my flesh still wants? That's not the balance. Those things are both my flesh trying to get what I want. Martin Lloyd-Jones um, Years ago, he wrote that before we can have any hope of enjoying the freedom we have in Christ or living or walking in the Spirit, he said, quote, we must be delivered from the thraldom of self. I love that line. He says, we must be delivered from the thraldom of self. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We need to be set free. And do you know, the very first thing we need to be set free from, us. What I need to be set free from is me. We will never be free until we die to ourself. As Paul will say soon in Galatians, until we crucify our flesh The Christian life is a life of freedom. It is freedom from self-focus. Free from the impossible task of trying to gain my righteousness myself and from the impossible task of trying to gain hope, freedom, and joy outside of Christ. Let's read the whole paragraph now. I'm going to back up and read verse 13. Let's see how Paul continues to teach us what the Christian life should look like. Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 13 and read 13 through 18. They read this way. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but... 
through love, serve one another. Now today's passage. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one command. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There's our passage for this morning. We start in verses 14 and 15, where Paul teaches us, If you love others, you'll get the law for free. Paul has repeatedly, in the book of Galatians, told us that the Christian life is one that is free from the law. He said that over and over. The gospel of Jesus Christ sets me free from the law. But listen, that I am set free from the law does not mean that as a Christian... I won't obey a lot of the law. Because if I'm living the Christian life, I absolutely will. But Paul's not talking out of both sides of his mouth here. We've been set free from this impossible task of trying to get God to change the way he looks at us by being good enough for God to accept us, declare us righteous. The gospel sets me free from trying to use my obedience to make myself more in God's eyes than he just gifted me with through faith the moment I believed in the sacrifice of his son. So I'm I'm set free from the task of trying to get to God through my obedience, but I will obey. We studied verse 13 last week. The last thing Paul said in verse 13 is that when we are enjoying our freedom in Christ, we will freely love and serve others. Paul continues in that vein, and he quotes something here. Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word or command, um, and it's this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you read that and think, well, that, that sounds like Jesus. And it does, because Jesus quoted that too. But that's actually from the law. Leviticus 19.18 says, you must love your neighbor as yourself. That's how Paul summarizes the entire law. Jesus did the same thing, only his summary was a little bit longer. One time in, in Mark chapter 12, Someone asked Jesus, hey, what what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave two. He said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these, Jesus said. Here's, Here's why that's a summary of the entire law. In those precious fleeting moments where we are keeping those two commandments, we are guaranteed to be keeping all the rest of them. You can can boil the whole law down to this. Love God, love others. If you do those things well, you're automatically doing the rest. If I love God, 
I can't love God and, and take his name in vain at the same time. I can't love God and craft an idol for myself or worship some other God. By the same token, if I am loving you, I can't love you and steal your stuff at the same time, right? I can't love you and, and murder or, or gossip about you or any of that stuff. So that's how Jesus summarize the whole law. Paul does it even shorter than that. Paul just says, you can sum up the whole law right here. You love your neighbor as yourself. We might want to go, wait a second, Paul. You left out half the summary. What happened to love God? Here's what Paul knows. It is impossible for us to love others the way we love ourselves. It's impossible to do that in your flesh. And the only way we get delivered from our flesh is if we love God back from the way he loved us. You, you can't do love your neighbor as yourself in your own effort. You can't, you can't, you can't. The only way we ever get there is in response to how God loves us. He loved us first at the cross of Jesus Christ. We are only loving him back. None of us can truly love others in our own efforts. I mentioned this some last time, but if I am trying to work my way toward that declaration of righteousness, either from God or in my own heart or from you, I might do some things that look like love because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing that stuff, but ultimately that will be selfish. That will be for me. I'll be using you to get what I want, which is I want to feel better about me. I want to feel like God accepts me. When I understand the way God loved me, that God's love for me, and this is true of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it was, it was unearned, it's, it's unending, it's uncaused, you didn't do anything to start it. But, it, but you have it. He loves you if you believed in his son. And once I know that, once that's how I start to get my hope, my joy, my peace, my contentment. And once I have those things in Christ, now I can actually start to love someone else. Because I don't need anything else. I can do things just for you, just for someone else. So that's, that's why Paul says, you can summarize the whole law right here. And Paul is encouraging us in this whole paragraph, but in this verse, here he's, he's encouraging us in how to focus our Christian life. And Paul says, you want to focus your Christian life on something? Start here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Start there. It's a good place to start. And when I love God and love others, I, I'll get the rest of the law for free. Like without trying. If I'm growing in my love for Jesus Christ, 
And he's turning me into someone who loves others the way I love myself or the way he loved me. Then I can look backwards in time and notice, man, my language is cleaner than it used to be. That's not even what I was focusing on. Like, I don't steal so much anymore. Why? Because I love him and I love others. I'm not as jealous as I used to be. I don't have so much envy as I used to be. You know why? Envy, jealousy, what those are first toward God, it is me saying to God, you don't take care of me well enough. I don't have enough. And I can't love you and be jealous or envious of you at the same time. I will actually want you to fail so that I don't feel like this anymore. If I love God and I love others, I won't have as much envy. Understand, the opposite of this is not true. Paul is saying, just start with love God, love others. And then watch what happens with the rest of the law, with the rest of the obedience. You just get it for free. Because the opposite is not true. I can't have a list of behavioral obedience that I think is important. If I want to make a list of the behaviors that make someone a good Christian, and I'm going to buckle down, and I am going to make sure I get good at this list, maybe I can get there or convince myself I am, but I can be killing that list, and that will not make me a lover of others. It might make me resent God who makes me live like this and they get to be out there doing all that stuff. That's why verse 15 goes with verse 14. It doesn't seem like it fits. Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, but if you bite and devour one another, make sure you don't completely eat <laughs> your friends. There's our, write that down. Don't eat your friends. Okay, that's what Paul says today. Here's what... Paul is saying, love your neighbor, the rest of it will work its way out. If you focus on your list, and we all have a list, we all do. If you focus on your list, here's what happens. You can't stomach people who have a different list than you or don't measure up to your list. And you have to, your standards, your ideas, your whatever, it makes us fighters. Paul would say it makes us biters. And he said the best you can hope for, is, for hope for is you don't completely devour each other. You just have to wind up being in a camp of people with the same list. And the truth is, it really doesn't matter how much behavioral obedience I wind up achieving if it doesn't make me someone who loves God and loves others. Like, it doesn't matter. So Paul says, man, just love others the way you love yourself, and you'll get the law for free. Verses 16 and 17, excuse me, verses, getting ahead of myself. Versus, eh, it should be 16 and 17. Is my screen wrong here? Did my secretary make a mistake? What's happening here? This should say 16 and 17 in the parentheses up there. Remind me to take that up with her. And for those of you who are new here, I don't have a secretary. I just can't blame my mistakes on myself. So I make that up. 
16 and 17, Paul teaches us, walk by the Spirit and the flesh will submit for free. Okay, the tendency, again, is to treat the Christian life like it means getting better at obedience, better and better at obedience until I get to the point where I can finally, in my own heart, consider myself righteous, convince myself God thinks I'm righteous based on that obedience, right? And and it can seem like if I am good enough, then that means I'm walking with the Spirit who indwells me. And that's completely backwards. It doesn't work that way. Paul would teach us if we don't walk by the Spirit first, we'll never get to actual obedience. The order is important. What Paul, Paul says first, focus on loving others. Second part of the focus of this Christian life, walk with the Spirit. When you believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And so this life is supposed to be sort of trying to make his desires your desires. His priorities your priorities. And when we live that way, Paul says the the flesh will submit for free. I want you to see something important. Here's, Here's your Greek lesson for today. Greek, the Greek of Paul's day had several different ways to negate something. You know what I mean? By negate something. So he says, not carry out the desires of the flesh. Not is a negation. Like if I say today is not Saturday, I've negated the idea that today is Saturday. Okay. There's several different ways in Greek you could do that. The most extreme, the heaviest, is to use... uh, Two Greek words, both negators, ou and may, together with a word in the aorist subjunctive. Okay, make sure you write that down. That'll be on the quiz. No. That's what Paul does here. And I tell you that just to tell you this. When Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh, Paul does not say, walk by the Spirit and you know you'll tend to maybe be a little bit better. I don't know. You'll probably do okay. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will never, ever. It would be absolutely impossible for you to carry out the desire of the flesh. That's what he says. Because here's the opposites that rage inside of us. The Holy Spirit of God and my flesh. That's, that's the opposite. That's the battle. And Paul says, when you walk with the Spirit, your flesh doesn't stand a chance. That's why that's got to be our focus. And listen, if you were raised like I was raised, it's not your focus. The focus is, figure out what the list is, Bear down. Try super hard to beat your flesh into submission. And if you're good enough, then we'll tell you, now you're walking with the Spirit. That doesn't work. It's never worked. We're supposed to walk with the Spirit during any process where we understand we're doing something wrong. 
When I've done something wrong, I talk right to God through the Holy Spirit about what I've done wrong. I don't stay over here and think, oh man, I've blown it. I've got to make this, I've got to make this right so I can walk with the Spirit. I've got, got to fix all this so I can get back to walking with the Spirit. No! As soon as I realize I was in my flesh, I start walking with the Spirit in confession and repentance. That's what He wants. I don't do that stuff in my flesh. I do that stuff with Him. I've blown it. I go right to the one who justifies me, who loves me, who hasn't stopped doing either of those two things. I talk to Him about it right away. The Holy Spirit wants to make a big deal out of Jesus. You know what the Holy Spirit wants? He wants to make a big deal out of Jesus. That's his, like, that's his purpose. He always glorifies Jesus Christ. He wants to do that with us. When we walk with him, it will look like it will be obedience. And he can do things through us that glorifies Jesus. But listen, when I've jumped into my flesh, and I do, as soon as I blow it, he still wants to make a big deal out of Jesus. So I talk to him, I confess, I repent, I'm restored. And all that happens to the glory of the grace of Jesus Christ. Right? Not, I've got to get this right so that God will think more highly of me. Who does that make a big deal out of? Me. And the Holy Spirit's not in the business of making a big deal out of you or of me. He wants to make a big deal out of Jesus Christ. He would love to do it through our obedience all the time. But he loves to do it when you confess and repent of your sin. He's not, he doesn't want to wait until you get yourself fixed. Because you can't. Jesus is the only one who can, and he exists to make a big deal out of Jesus. Our, our, our flesh bucks against the Spirit in so many ways. All right, my flesh wants to feel powerful, wants to feel in control, wants to feel holy, wants to feel righteous wants to feel excitement, wants to feel all of these things. And the Holy Spirit is opposed to all that, all along the legalism and license spectrum. Because he doesn't want to make a big deal out of our righteousness. He doesn't want to permit our, our immoral sin. He wants to make a big deal out of Jesus. Now, it's, it's not that what Paul says here is a quick fix. All right, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. The spirit sets its desire against the flesh. That's in opposition to one another. So, right? So, walk by the spirit, and there's no way you'll carry out the desires of the flesh. It's not like Paul is saying, well, you got sin problems? Well, walk by the spirit. Duh! Paul's not giving us an easy fix. He's giving us a focus. This isn't easy. 
it will be one day. You'll be dead, but it will be, right? When your flesh is no longer a problem, you will be perfected. If you're a Christian, you're going to be glorified, right? You're not going to have a sin nature. Until that day, this isn't easy. But we've got one chance. We've got one chance to do this well in fits and spurts. And it looks like this. Focus on walking, being led by the Holy Spirit, and love other people the way I love myself. That's the focus. The list will take care of itself. In case Paul hasn't made himself clear, he's going to repeat something that he's repeated ad nauseum through this book. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul's giving us another set of opposites. He says you can either be led by the Spirit or you can live under the law, but not both. You can either live your life walking with the Spirit and submitting to Him, or you can live your life trying to obey through your best efforts, but you can't do both. But again, it's not that the Holy Spirit hates the law. He wrote the law. The Holy Spirit inspired the law. It's not that the law is bad. The Holy Spirit doesn't hate the law. What he hates is when I try to make myself acceptable through my power to keep the law. He hates that. Why? You should be able to answer that question by now. The Holy Spirit hates it. When I try to make myself acceptable to myself, to you, or to God through my efforts at keeping the law. Why does the Holy Spirit hate that? Because it doesn't make a big deal out of Jesus. That makes a big deal out of Matt. And that is not why he lives in me. But the Holy Spirit loves the law. And if we walk with him, we will obey the law. At least a lot of it. We won't sacrifice anything up here this morning. That stuff was in the law. We won't, we won't do that. But, and the law is still useful. We should still read the law. The Holy Spirit, he inspired the law. He can still shape us through it. But it works like this. It's not me reading the list and using all my best efforts so that God will like me. It works more like this. I'm reading through the law and I get to this section in the law that talks about making restitution for wrongs done to another Israelite. Can the Holy Spirit use that in my life? He can. It would look like this. I read that. I hold it up like the mirror. And I go, oh man. And I remember that time where I caused damage to another person. And I think, oh, I obviously was not walking with the Spirit when I did that to Rachel, when I said those words. And so I, I talked to God, hey, God, did you see that when I did that? I wasn't, I wasn't walking with the Spirit. When I, all right, what would it look like for me to make restitution now? Can you lead me in that? See, it's not, I better go make restitution so, so I can go back and talk to God again. So he'll let me off being grounded. No. 
Then I prayerfully walk through how I go to Rachel and say, hey, I, I, I haven't talked, this has been five years ago, but there was that time where I said this, I bet made you feel like that, man. Would, I, I want to make that right. I was right with God that entire time because my rightness, my righteousness with God is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's a lot better than biting and devouring each other. You know what my flesh will say? Well, of course I did that to her. Let me tell you 72 things she's been doing to me. Bite, devour, consume. But I can tell you why I'm righter than she is. She can tell you why she's righter than I am. Or we can walk by the Spirit and make a big deal out of Jesus, whose love reconciles his enemies to himself. This, this paragraph is about living in the Spirit. It's the Christian life. It is where Paul gets practical. All right, what should this look like? Well, let me tell you, but it's not a list of rights and wrongs. It's a focus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Okay, living in the Spirit is a life where I have to start here. I constantly understand God's love for me, God's acceptance of me. It is done. It is finished. It is, it's complete as far as I have it. I'm not complete. I'm supposed to still be growing. I'm supposed to still being shaped. But his love for me is as lovely as it's ever going to be. Second, living in the Spirit is a life where my focus is loving others. Putting them first. And then understanding other, other obedience is going to come. And living in the Spirit, it's a life that understands that real freedom, the things I really want, only come from Christ and in Christ. The, the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, points me to Jesus always. It, it helps me understand this truth to tell my flesh, no, there's not more out there somewhere than what Jesus has for you. It's a lie. He won't lead you astray. So will we wind up being more obedient? Of course, of course. God has not set us free in the fact that or the idea that obedience no longer matters. No. Here's a newsflash. The Holy Spirit hates it when I sin. But I'm not just trying to beat my flesh into submission so that the Holy Spirit will stop crying all the time inside of me. I'm walking with him as he points me toward Jesus. I talked to him. I talk with him, through him, to God about my sin. I ask him, see, how do I relate to others? I don't want to bite and devour anymore. 
I want to be a restorer, a healer, a peacemaker, the way you are a restorer and a healer and a peacemaker. Because it doesn't matter how much behavioral obedience I can stack up. If I don't love God and I don't love others, I'm not walking with the Spirit. I don't have the life in Christ that I would enjoy if I had it. Let's pray. Our Father, this is a a difficult paragraph for us because walk in the Spirit is hard for us to define, to grasp, to get our minds around. So thanks for giving us some opposites. Living by my flesh is an opposite. Living under the law is an opposite. So Father, would you help us to focus on loving others the way we love ourselves? Help us focus on walking with the Holy Spirit. Will you maybe transform the way we read the Bible? Not as just some checklist because you don't like us until we have our quiet time but as a way to just just read and talk with you, like how would this be reflected? How would you, how would your Holy Spirit like to see this reflected in my life today? That we could live under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I thank you for all of the obedience we will be able to enjoy watching grow in ourselves. And I thank you that you love us completely as we struggle through this Christian life. We love you. We're yours truly. We want to be yours completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us. Let's finish our time together.